Florida State wants out of the ACC. Does that mean anything for the Pac-12? You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free, but Pack 2 dominated and beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please. And thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Fan. Make every moment more, not less, more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit fandle.com slash locked on to get started. So some of you may notice this is a different setup. I'm in an undisclosed location on the West Coast. As Ron Swanson would say, I've said too much already. So Florida State is really unhappy over in uh, the ACC. And I think for the Pac-12, you know, everyone can perhaps dream about, you know, what could happen if the ACC implodes and the conference rebuilding that could ensue. Because based on the results of the settlement that Oregon State and Washington State got with the the 10 departing schools, it looks like a rebuild of the Pac is going to take place one day. That, That would at least be my guess. That at least is very possible given how the financials shook out. You know, they're they're working with a war chest over $200 million uh, is, is kind of the understanding for everybody. So I think that all of that is kind of on the back burner right now because Florida State is really unhappy in the ACC, which I, I just find to be kind of hilarious, to be frank, because Florida State's lawyers determined that, or PR people, whoever, that it would cost about 572 million dollars for them to leave before negotiated settlement now they're challenging that because they think it shouldn't be there and it's a you know anti-competitive you know blah 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 and everything and they're going to fight that out in court and we'll just wait and see what the result ends up being but if you're at 572 million dollars as a starting point for what you need to leave the conference you are trying the lawyers are trying to negotiate that down they would love for it to be zero but let's say it doesn't go to zero Let's see. Let's say they just, eh, I don't know, cut it in half and get it to $286 million. That's how much they owe. Well, that amount of money, if they were to go to the Big Ten and get a full media rights share, which, you know, no guarantee that that's going to happen. But let's say they get around $60 million from the Big Ten per year compared to the average of 36 they get from the ACC. That's $24 million a year extra that you're getting but if you owe 286 in this hypothetical that i've concocted here then that's going to be paid out over a long period of time and there is a huge financial gain there so unless they can negotiate that exit fee down i I suspect that they stay put but in, in the off chance that florida state is able to leave the acc you are suddenly going to have a conference that will look very much like our beloved and current Pac-12, which is down to, as we all know, two schools. Still exists, by the way, as a legal entity. Just I feel like we should remind people of that because it can be easy to forget from time to time. But I think that for Florida State, if they leave the ACC, well, Clemson 
and, and Miami and maybe North Carolina are going to look around and say, well, why do we still have to be here? You know, well, we, you know, we, we want to leave the ACC and go elsewhere, which in a 12 team playoff format, I also find to be kind of a hilarious proposition. You, you should want, you should value as a university that loves football as Florida state obviously does above all else, the, the ability to win a national championship. I do not get the sense, maybe Florida State feels differently. I do not get the sense that they are a school, they are a university, a program that is lacking the money or the will to get there. I know that because I've seen them do it. Now, you could say, Spencer, that was 10 years ago, last time they played for and won a national championship against Auburn in the final iteration of the BCS. Okay, point taken. In a 12-team college football playoff, we just saw, we, we just saw, it's before a bunch of realignment moves have happened, sure. We just saw that Florida State is capable of being well inside the top 12. And in a world in which the four highest-ranked power conference champions get an automatic bid, no matter what they did in the regular season, which repulses me to my core, but that's beside the point. In a world where that happens, which, ha- which is what will take place starting next year, if you're in a conference like the ACC, which is pretty weak, by the way, it, it is not a tremendously deep conference. It's Florida State. I, I mean, you mean Miami is a seven and five team. Clemson went eight and four this year. North Carolina was, you know, their usual start hot and then fade off at the end, even with Drake May at quarterback. There aren't that many great teams there. Like Florida State has a chance to be the dominant program in that conference, much like Clemson was when Florida State was down trying to find their way back up. And if you have that in your back pocket, look, it might not be an automatic berth into, you know, one of the four buys in the top four seeds, though you'd have a very good chance if you go undefeated again, as they did this year, which I think they can going forward. But I think that for Florida State, winning that conference championship gets you in automatically, and they're going to be the betting favorite almost every single year. But, you know, that's beside the point. So how does this tie to the Pac-12? I, I think that if, if Florida State were to leave the ACC and it implodes, I think the only schools that could possibly come to the pack would be Cal and Stanford. Now, I don't even know if that would happen. I, I mean, maybe they would. I'll talk about that a, a bit later in the show. But I think that for, for Florida State to be at the center of, of all of this right now, like it's the biggest story in all of college football is that they want out and they really want out and they're really mad. They're not happy with the ACC. Did everyone see – the most unlikely of alliances that was formed for, you know, a brief moment in time in the internet space between Florida state and Oregon state fans, because Florida state in their lawsuit against the ACC said that the conference had been negligent in their duties because they missed the point of college football realignment because they added Stanford and Cal and not Oregon state and Oregon state, as we know, because of results on the field over the last couple of seasons is currently a stronger program than Stanford or Cal and a better team than Stanford or Cal. But Florida state said, well, you know, uh, not adding Oregon state, but adding Stanford or Cal. Well, that just misses the point of realignment. It's time to bring back. What was my favorite phrase on the show? It's going to be every day are aware of this going back to the summer months. What a time that was. Written on my gravestone whenever I die, which is hopefully a very long time from now, will be the phrase, President's vote on realignment. 
because the ACC academically much more closely with Stanford and Cal and in a conference that has North Carolina and Duke in it and Virginia in it very much values that to some extent. But also the Bay Area media market has got more inherent value than Corvallis and the Portland market or Pullman and what Washington State pulls in the Seattle market. The Washington State's TV numbers uh, and Oregon State's, frankly, have been compared to some other Power 5 teams who are not being left behind amidst realignment. That's uh, neither here nor there. So I, I think that Florida State's move you know, to try to get out of the ACC – I have my doubts that it comes to fruition. Would it be altering the landscape again? Would it be another, you know, earthquake of news? Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely would. But I don't see it coming to fruition, which is why I don't think it ultimately impacts impacts the pack. But then, if it does, the idea of you know teams in the Pac-12 picking up teams from the ACC, I don't know how that would work. That would depend on you know what the big 12s mentality is because that would kind of be a potential feeding ground you look at schools like west virginia or pitt or west virginia and pitt rather the ties there would pitt uh slide over into the big 12 louisville feels like they could be a big 12 school yeah i, I think there would be some, some potential there but across coastal conference i consider me skeptical that that would come to fruition given that the pack currently has oregon state and washington state and no media deal but what about Cal and Stanford? Hmm. That's a fascinating conversation, to say the least. Let's have a fascinating conversation ourselves about FanDuel, because as the weather gets colder, though the NFL's warmer, or the weather is warmer where uh, I've decided to go for Christmas vacation this year, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks. If your team wins, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. If you're someone who doesn't think college football bowl season is that exciting, which, look, I, I, I can't help you there. Oh, wait, I can because FanDuel is a great way to spice that up, although I think bowl season is fantastic personally, and I can enjoy it no matter what. FanDuel is a great way to make bowl season all the more exciting. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. You can kick off the NFL season as well. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So how about Calford? The California Golden Bears. Some would call them my California Golden Bears. Not me. I'm kidding. I would definitely call them that based on how I hyped them up last season. And I would just like to point out was uh, – Right on the nose. So uh, Cal goes six and six this year, lost their independence bowl against Texas Tech. Disappointing effort from the Golden Bears. Disappointing effort indeed. They had the travel disadvantage, but boy, Texas Tech really worked them in that game. And I, I did not think that they would. But props to the Red Raiders. I think Joey McGuire is a uh, is a good football coach there. So I think that for, for Cal and Stanford, they're the schools that should most be on the minds of – really the pack two because you know the rest of the eight departing schools they're locked into those conferences no matter what the big 12 is not blowing up the big 10 the sec uh no pack schools are going to the sec of course but big 12 big 10 those th those eight four in each conference they're not going anywhere but if the acc were to implode who do you think cal and stanford are calling because if they could actually get into the big 10 I think they would have done that already. 
And I don't think the Big Ten has any desire for Cal and Stanford. And so Cal and Stanford, along with SMU, are going into the ACC together next year. I, I will reiterate once again, I have my doubts that Florida State is going to be able to break free from the ACC. I also am not a lawyer, and there are people who are much smarter and are working much harder on the matter than me trying to make this happen. There are people who really want to make this happen. And so let's say in a hypothetical world, they succeed in doing so, and the ACC begins to crumble. Where's SMU going to go? Because they've made it clear they will do whatever it takes, including taking zero dollars in media rights revenue for a while, and they'll just make it up with with booster money. SMU won the American Conference this year, by the way, at 11-2, and and got jogged out of playing the Fiesta Bowl against Oregon, which they should have had, and the committee, (laughs) with an incongruent standard, shall we say, gave the nod to Liberty instead out of Conference USA. But SMU would just be sitting there. And then Cal and Stanford would be sitting there. Now, Cal and Stanford could go the independent route, a la Oregon State and Washington State. But if if you have those four schools and they're just sitting there trying to figure out how they can put together a schedule, Cal is already playing Oregon State next year. You already have the geographical proximity to make travel a heck of a lot easier, which is going to be a nightmare in the ACC. Remember, Cal and Stanford, Their motivations during realignment were to have a home, just a home. They didn't really care where it was. They weren't pushing to end the Pac-12. They were one of the last dominoes. Remember, they found a home after even the four corner schools went over to the Big 12. It was USC and UCLA first, and then the conference looked like it would survive. And looking back on it, that nine-team conference supplemented with San Diego State and SMU very well could have survived and been all right. But we're not in the hypothetical world, so need we need not go down that particular rabbit hole. But Cal and Stanford were perfectly fine to be in the Pac-9, Pac-10, Pac-11, whatever it was going to end up being. But then Oregon and Washington go to the Big Ten, That triggers a mass exodus of the other three schools to follow Colorado to the Big 12. And then Cal and Stanford were sitting there. And there was a point in time in which Cal and Stanford were part of the Pac-12 board with Oregon State, Washington State. But then they were able to find a more stable, consistent home. So it's a logical decision. I bring this up to say their motivations were never, we want to be in the ACC so badly. We want to get rid of the pack. We don't want to associate. It was just, we want to have a home. We, we, we just want to have a place to be that's good enough for us. And if we can get in the ACC, great. And if we can't, well, you know, it's, it's, you know, we'd like the big 10 and we'd like the ACC, but they wanted the packs pack to stay together. So if the ACC crumbles, like if it truly crumbles, a la the Pac-12 and all the schools are left to scatter to try to find their next homes, and you have another conference realignment, earth-shattering move like that, would Cal and Stanford try to get their way back into the good graces of Oregon State and Washington State? Boy, it'd be some bitter conversations, I tell you. (laughs) I mean... I, I know amongst fan bases, at the very least, you, you would have conversations that would go a little something like this. Hey, we uh, 
we want to have you back. We just don't know if there's room for you here. And then the president would step in and say, yeah, uh, so-and-so is kidding. We absolutely have room for you. Welcome back, Cal and Stanford. Bay Area media market, historical ties to the schools, quality of, of competition, depending on the year for sure. But those are currently schools that Oregon State was able to get on the schedule next year playing the California Golden Bears because they want to have quality games. And, and yeah, there would be that, hey, you were willing to leave us. And Stanford and Cal's responses would be, we had to. We didn't want to. We had to. And I think that's where they the, the, where they landed. I think that's how they came down on the position that they you know ultimately fell into there. And so if the ACC were to implode, it could be a great thing for the pack because whatever rebuild Oregon State and Washington State are going to attempt, you could suddenly work Cal, Stanford, and SMU into the mix. I mean, you talk about building the premier group of five conference in all of college football. That's you know what Oregon State and Washington State – I think are going to attempt to do beginning in 2025. If you brought Cal Stanford SMU in there, look, it'd still be viewed in the football sense as a group of five conference, but boy, it would be a heck of a lot stronger than some of the other ones out there. Most of the other ones out there. If you could work in the golden bears and the Cardinal into the mix somehow, some way. And then if you added SMU and you added Tulane, and then you did some picking and choosing from the mountain West That'd be the best group of five conference by a mile. It would not be close. You have to find a television deal. But I think that could be done, especially if they wait another year and go, you know, when the Mountain West media deal comes up for renegotiation and the Pac-12 tries to insert themselves into that mix and they go on the aggression. They, 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 they become an aggressor rather than playing on the defensive as the conference has for the last couple of years. And that's, of course, landed them in a, a rather precarious spot. So I think that for Cal and Stanford, their motivations were never to get into the ACC. They were just kind of forced to go there when they had nowhere else to go. And they wanted to go somewhere because that's preferable than going nowhere and trying to rebuild the pack. No one wants to be in Oregon State and Washington State situation. And I think that's what Cal and Stanford were working to avoid. They did that. And so now if the ACC were to implode, that would leave them with nowhere else to go. And here's the other thing, though, the shall we say elitism of sorts of uh, the Pac-12 presidents over the years and failures in leadership landed them in the position that they are currently in. You, you can you can look at arrogance. You can look at hubris, elitism, whatever you want to call it. There is no way. Absolutely. Even after everything that's gone down, there is no way in the world Cal and Stanford would ever join the Big 12. That would not happen. No way. They would go independent and they would remain independent in everything. They would. I think they would cut sports before they would do that. That is my gut instinct. But I think I am very right in that gut instinct. Hence why I you know, said it here on the show. That's kind of how this works. So I, I think that the Big 12 is not on the radar at all. And if the ACC implodes, they're not going to go to the SEC. The Big Ten clearly didn't want them, or they would have taken them in the you know uh, Bay Area media market the first time around. And their only option might be to come back to Oregon State and Washington State and help them rebuild the Pac-12 as we know it into what the Pac-12 could end up being. A conference that, by the way, is certainly not done Formally speaking, informally, of course, yeah, it's 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 done. But legally speaking, strictly speaking, 
they could be a part of it in the future if and only if the ACC falls apart. Speaking of the Pac-2, Oregon State and Washington State, both are continuing to navigate the offseason. Oregon State has made a couple of moves. So yesterday on the show, I had on Carter Baines Beaver Blitz. If you haven't seen or watched that yet, go check it out. And we were, you know, that show had been recorded uh, a few days ahead of time so that I could, you know, give you guys some content. Christmas, hope you had a Merry Christmas, by the way, and or having happy holidays and everything like that. Uh, but I, I think that for Oregon State, they're in a position where they're trying to compete at the highest level they can next year. And they are going to have, I tell you what, I would love to be at Oregon State's practices every single day this spring because that is going to be one heck of a quarterback battle. So Oregon State, uh, when we recorded yesterday's show, they were looking at the potential of adding Jabari Johnson from Missouri, who was the number seven dual threat quarterback in the class of 2023, redshirted this year. He's got four years of eligibility they had added uh, Giovanni McCoy from Idaho. And McCoy is, you know, solid, won a lot of games this year, experienced guy, is not a shoe in as the starter. At least that's kind of how we felt it, you know, when they made that addition is that it would be him against Ben Goldbranson. And it is now going to be him against potentially Ben Goldbranson. We'll see what he does after the Sun Bowl against Jabari Johnson. So you got a couple of guys whose first names start with uh, G, which I, I just don't think you see very often. And I pointed out for no reason other than that. But Jabari Johnson transfers uh, in from Missouri and he enters the quarterback room. And I don't know that there is a quarterback battle that will be as open out West going into next season as the one that'll take place in Corvallis. Now we don't know what's going to happen up in Pullman, uh, by the way. Speaking of Pullman, going back a couple of seasons, Jaden Delora from Arizona, he's going to stay with Arizona through the Alamo Bowl against Oklahoma, but he has entered the transfer portal. Just going to pause, let that hang out there. That's a guy who at each of his last two Power 5 stops at non-traditional powers has thrown for a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, won a lot of games, and yes, he has thrown some interceptions. But that is a guy Who's a capable starter? Would he go back to Pullman? I really don't think so. I really, I really, really, really don't think so. Curious to see where he lands. Because in all this realignment stuff, you're going to have a lot of different matchups uh, that you didn't have before. And I think that you could have a team currently in the Pac-12 running into an old friend in Jane Delore and going, oh, I, I, I know what we're going to get in, uh, in that guy there. But Jabari Johnson is in the quarterback room. Giovanni McCoy is in the quarterback room for Oregon State. Branson still is as of now. He's going to be the starter in the Sun Bowl against Notre Dame later this weekend. That's not the only move that Oregon State made, though, that I liked. Because I think bringing in that quarterback battle when you couldn't get Malik Murphy, who uh, last I saw had committed to Duke, the Texas backup quarterback who Oregon State had had for a visit, if you can't get that guy, which I think would have been a home run addition via the portal, you bring in a couple of guys who are not proven at the power five level, but who have the talent and potential to do so. And you go iron sharpens iron and you say, okay, you battle up, may the best man win. And I, you know, I don't think there's a clear leader there. I think Johnson has got more talent, you know, better physical traits, but McCoy is clearly the more experienced of the two. I, I don't know that Johnson, you know, played hardly at all in Missouri this year. He redshirted. 
So he played in no more than uh, four games. I didn't look up his stats before I recorded the show, but he is not a guy who has been in big spots, which Giovanni McCoy has. And so that that presents a really interesting dynamic for Trent Bray and offensive coordinator Ryan Gunderson as well. And here's the other interesting thing. They picked up a really nice recruitment on the uh, from the high school ranks. I know, high school recruiting, very outdated, very old school, right? Well, still effective and has the potential to make an impact for Oregon State in 2024. So the recruit they went out and got was a former University of Oregon commit. So he was once going to go to Eugene, decommitted, going to Corvallis instead. Jordan Anderson, four-star wide receiver, a guy who was one of the early commits in Oregon's 2024 class. He ended up decommitting, and he'll you know go into a wide receiver room next year that is losing Anthony Gould, returns, in theory, Silas Bolden. But as we talked about yesterday, is kind of short on talent. And if he's someone that comes in and, you know, shows that he's ready to play as a true freshman, he could very well play and be a top target along with Silas Bolden for whoever wins that quarterback battle. So that's a pretty notable recruiting pickup on the trail for uh, for Trent Bray and company and his staff as they look to put together as competitive of a roster as they can in 2024. Those are the notable additions offensively, though. Uh, I mean, you lose DJ Uyungle and Aiden Childs, but Damian Martinez, he's coming back next year. Silas Bolden looks like he's coming back next year. If Anderson comes in and produces the way he's capable of, like, you know, a, a guy who was once offered and committed to Oregon, that's a place where they, they, they tend to recruit at a high level. And, and that, is some, that is somebody who, look, not every true freshman pops, even highly rated ones. But I think he's coming into a room that – could use somebody like him that's got that sort of high end talent. He's, he's, I think he's a little bit on uh, the bigger side as well. And I, I think that Anderson is somebody who, you know, brings a talent level to that room that just isn't always seen uh, for, for Oregon state. He's, you know, a little bit bigger. He's six feet tall, only 165 pounds. So he's a little bit thin, but uh, 9238 composite rating on on 247 sports uh, that, that's a nice get on the recruiting trail for Oregon State and I'm most curious to see if he contributes as as a true freshman because I think he is going to have the opportunity to do so given the state of the receiver room and we'll see what kind of chemistry you could build with you know whichever quarterback uh, ends up winning the job there in Corvallis so fascinating stuff there to follow fascinating is how you describe realignment in uh, many ways. If you ever have a question, as Chris did, which I'm about to get to, drop it in the YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. DMs and mentions always wide open. Chris says, do you think maybe the ACC would try to pick up Oregon State and Washington State to put together a four-team Pacific division? I think whether Florida, whether or not Florida State leaves the conference, this has no shot of happening. Well, okay, I'll go 1% shot because you can't know everything in the room. If the ACC, the reason that I, you know, kind of kicked dirt on, uh, on that particular notion is the ACC picked up Stanford and Cal. Oregon State and Washington State were sitting there and they said no. So the current version of the ACC, which is trying to keep Florida State, you know, interested in hanging around in the conference, they didn't want Oregon State and Washington State. Then Florida State, the team that is also is simultaneously 
trying to blow things up, but also incredibly valuable financially to the conference as a whole. That team said, stated in their lawsuit, you're bringing in too many teams that are diluting the media payments, Cal, Stanford, SMU. Oregon State and Washington State would only do that further. And so there's not enough value to be provided there. So that's why it wouldn't happen if Florida State remains in the ACC. If Florida State leaves the ACC, I think that means that there's a legal way to get out of that grant of rights, which is uh, super tricky to do, by the way. But if they find a way, others might follow suit, and then the conference would implode. So I think either way, Oregon State and Washington State get left out there. That doesn't mean they get left out forever. That just means that right now and the cards that are being dealt in this particular hand of realignment poker don't align for the Beavs and Coos, Coos to you know have pocket aces and then you know roll out a straight flush somehow in uh, in the run. So that's all the poker terminology that I've really got right now. And I think we'll end it there on today's show. But keep the questions coming, coming. Love them as always. I'll have a show tomorrow. No show on Friday, and then we'll be back uh, to every day next week. But appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.